Welcome to OLWJ Captivation, the podcast featuring boundless superstars and special guests who will provide information on achieving maximum success. I see boundless as not allowing the, you know, things that get in the way, the roadblocks to stop you. You see it and you go, you know what? This is a challenge. And a challenge doesn't mean I'm going to stop. I'm going to figure out how to get through this, how to move forward. In fact, I kind of couple boundless with resiliency. Special episodes of the podcast will center around concepts related to financial wellness. For everyone deserves a shot at financial freedom. Dollar cost averaging, it allows somebody to systematically invest whether the market is doing, you know, the, the market is up, the market is down, okay? And notice I, I didn't say uh, market good, market bad. I just said if the market is up or the market is down. There is no such thing as good or bad. It's just the market. And here's the thing. When somebody gets that education, right, where when we sit down with them and we're able to explain to that, they don't get scared by the ups or the downs. Thank you for making the decision to tune in to OLWJ Captivation. Welcome to OLWJ Captivation, a podcast about money, mentorship, and motivation. I am your host, Otis Wilson Jr., and thank you so much for making the decision to tune in to the podcast. On this episode of OLWJ Captivation, I am reaching back into the boundless archives for an interview that I did with Antonio Myers. For what purpose, you ask? To promote his new book that will be available on Amazon.com in the next several weeks. It's entitled, A Grandmother's Unconditional Love. This gentleman is definitely Boundless. Antonio, welcome to Boundless. So glad to have you aboard. I appreciate your hospitality. By all means. And let's get things started by you telling me about yourself. Uh, Autism is my super blessing. I am a high school valedictorian. I am a college graduate. I am a designated disability services provider by the city of Washington, D.C.'s Department of Disability Services. I have done two commencement speeches before the age of 25, and I have traveled Europe multiple times. And also, I'm a servant leader. And speaking of the word boundless, that's a good segue to what I'm about to say. I have bound less optimism. I am positive no matter what, and I and I value oneness and wholeness. So that is the crux of the matter of me. Well, I tell you what, my friend, that is a lot to say in such a short period of time, Antonio. Let's get to what I have to ask And it's an important question. What is autism? So many people have heard the word and have said the word, but they do not understand it. 
explain autism to me. Well, I'll start with society's definition and then I'll give you my correct definition. Society sees autism as a social skills related disorder, such as difficulties with verbalization and non-verbalization, understanding social cues, tone of voice, uh, someone's specific word choices, someone's body language. Uh, they see self-stimulatory behavior as concerning, such as rocking in a chair is an example, hand flapping, another example, walking back and forth when you're, you know, like you're in deep thought, but they'll see it as more of an issue if you're on the autistic spectrum. And they see it as a processing barrier of information. So that's how society defines it. I define it for me as I see life in 3D. It's a fancy, elegant way of saying that I see what people don't see. Everyone else sees the box. I see outside of the box. I think outside of it is another colorful way of saying it. And I, look, I see life through the lens of compassion and empathy. Of course, you can think that way and, and not be labeled autistic, but my autism gives me the superpower to do, superpowers to do those things. I also see autism as a, a, a unique way of emphasizing belonging, not just inclusion. It's when you value the humanity in all people and it's when you say I will do right by people because they're people and that's all the logic and love that I need to do right by you do right by me because I value my own humanity and I'm self-compassionate and have self-empathy and lastly I see autism as a rewarding miracle that I am in terms of being displayed to the world's masses. And so I don't wanna be cured because there's nothing to cure. And even if somebody came with a cure of autism, I would never take it because it is fabulous to myself and others. So why get rid of what is clearly non-problematic? That's my definition of autism. Do you think that others who have autism feel the same as you do? The majority of the people I've met with autism do think the same as me because we've talked about how with autism, we're very non-judgmental people. We're very excellent listeners. We really connect with people in terms of the vibes that they give off and we help people to understand what they're really thinking and what they're really meaning and so I've talked to my fellow 
autistic community members about this. And that's one of the reasons why we're such good friends and, you know, we get along so well because what we apply to other people, we apply with each other. When we talk about people who are categorized as gifted, extraordinary people, and Mm -hmm. why is it so hard for educational and people in the system, such as the workforce, to understand people who are categorized as such? Because of the false notion of one size fits all, which I don't understand because we have diverse personalities, introversion, which means that you tend to spend more time alone recharging your batteries. Extroversion tend to be amongst people interacting with them and, and doing social activities with them. Ambiversion is sometimes I'm with people interacting and other times I need to recharge my batteries alone. Personally, I'm an ambivert. I just wanted to throw that out there. But those are examples of the limiting um, idealism that we have in our society. You have diverse personalities. You have diverse ice cream flavors. Of course, people, not everybody likes the same flavor ice cream. And we don't always process information the same, which is another issue in education. We don't talk about learning styles. A visual learning style, if you write two plus two, I can see that it's four on a chalkboard. Okay, if you say two plus two equals four, that's auditory. One is visual, eyes, auditory, listening, ears. Um, Kinesthetic, if you give me two water bottles in my left hand and two other water bottles in my right hand, I can feel and touch that this is four. That's kinesthetic. Kinesthetic, touchy-feely process information. Visual, write it out, put it on written instruction. This person, one of my accommodations, I'm a visual learner. And auditory, talk, but speak clearly, enunciate your words correctly, and I can get with, and I can absorb what you're saying the best. And so this sense of learning quickly is the definition of being neurotypical. I personally have trouble with that word because when people say atypical, usually atypical means above average, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But when we say neurotypical, as if to say, if you don't learn in a classroom with a auditorium amount of students, then somehow your brain is deficient, which is untrue. That's a falsehood. So when you think out, when you think inside the box, the problem is you don't get to enjoy the totality of, of, of folks. So that is the issue at hand. Unfortunately, some people can't define it at all. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I think it's because of confusion and ignorance. Yes, I do disagree to directly answer your question because often giftedness means you don't 
think and say what other people are accustomed to thinking and saying. It's no different than a Thomas Edison when he said he doesn't look at failure as something is wrong with him. He said he just found numerous ways that it didn't work for him until he found that one way, and that's why we have these light bulbs. So our definite so often, like I told you last, you know, a few days ago when we first met each other, often in life, dis the disability is the bad attitude. If you have unhealthy attitudes, that is self-disabling because the perspective is incomplete and immature. We have a complete immature perspective. There's more, there's endless wisdom for you. When you limit endless wisdom, it means you are making yourself less and less intelligent over time and more and more into folly, lacking good sense over time. So I think that if people are exposed to more artistic people like myself, then their love would enlarge and their kindness would expand. I like that. Oratorical contest. You have won quite a few of these over your lifetime. Yes, sir. Talk to us about that. Uh, they're all in church because I grew up in church and I remember winning some at my the childhood church I grew up in and the, another church that my cousins have attended. We go there sometimes because they're father has preached there and was a minister there at one point. That's why we would go sometimes, vacation Bible school and the like. And it would be about basically what it, they, the oratorical contest would be about who is Jesus to you or what is the Christian life about? And we had to write our deepest thoughts and they felt like my thoughts were the deepest. So that's how I won. Fantastic. People also like to, I don't know if I want to use the word experiment, but I'll say, I would say manipulate or play around with body language. Yes, and quite frequently. Yes, experimentation of body language. Mm-hmm, yeah. Let's talk about your experience with that. Well, I remember because I used to smile a lot, some of it, most of it is because I'm naturally bub bubbly and the rest was because of some, uh, the dark side of my family. And I did what most survivors do of trauma is to... Pretend, I had to pretend that everything was well, but I don't judge myself for it because as, as a kid, you just do you just do what you know, right? I mean, even adults can do what we know, but as a kid, that really is the most sensitized uh, doing what you know. So true. And, thank you, sir. And yes. then I remember at times people thought that I wasn't being socially apt because I used to struggle 
mightily hard with social anxiety, not looking at people now when I talk to them, just because of I was constantly being made fun of and constantly misunderstood. And so that affected my social performance. Again, I don't judge myself. I'm not hard on myself because that doesn't help heal. That helps to wound. And that helping to wound is disrespectful to the healing process. So I decided, you know, when I when I started getting mental health services, um, my social performance altered because I was able to use more of my personal resources to have more uh, gentle souls like yourself, sir, into my life. And so I I didn't give up on me because people around me were not having it. And that helped me to naturally not have it myself because I'm already not a quitter. But when you surround yourself with people who don't believe in quitting, it's easier to be a natural self if that's your disposition innately. So yeah, I've I've also had to correct people because they thought that I wasn't understanding their body language and I said, no, no, I do understand. It's just that your particular body language is confusing because you say you're happy but the way you shrug your shoulders looking down all the time, I, I don't understand. And maybe they did manipulate me. That is possible because not everybody reveals their intentions. I, I, I leave that option on the table. And maybe their way of trying to insinuate that I wasn't accepting their smile was that could have been manipulation. I don't know. but. And I was labeled with a nonverbal learning disability, but most people I interacted with says, you are so good at understanding what I am honestly conveying. Why do you suppose people experiment with something like body language? Because we live in a world where passive aggression is real. Let me define passive aggression. Either you lash out because you bottle the pain in but don't calmly state what's happening, including discomfort, or you just do the happy, happy, joy, joy routine, but you have undercover ways of trying to avoid what's uncomfortable. Like if somebody at work gives you too many projects to do, you'll make it look like you're tired and, and stressed, so they'll give you less to do. And all you had to do was to have a civilized, tranquil, calm conversation with them because calm conversation, that's assertiveness. We all know what aggression is. We see it in the news. That's so self-explanatory. But I really learned assertiveness because I learned that these skills in each and every life group that you could think of, my college offered it and I took it. Plus, I was in therapy uh, twice a week. So people also have broken family issues, dysfunctional household issues that can affect how the effect of communication of triggers and sensitivity, sensibilities. Um, those three words mean boundaries. Okay, certain words we like, certain words we don't like. Certain words, okay, you can say, certain words affect me negatively, don't say. So that's what those three words mean. To sum it up, boundaries. So that is, um, unfortunately, 
I've learned that often the biggest manipulation is psychological manipulation. It's when you try to enslave another person. That's what abusers do. And it, it could be taught in family. So when people um, don't communicate well, most of it is due to environment and what you grew up with. And unfortunately, you see a lot of that in our media today. People from diverse political parties, diverse views on religion, diverse views on everything. And you see the chirons, you see how they talk to each other during an interview. It's supposed to be an interview, but they get combative. Those are public examples of this uh, particular tale of woe. Tell your story about being valedictorian twice. Not one time, my audience, but twice. This is awesome. Thank you. I was number one in my middle school class in 2007. And I was valedictorian of my high school class 2011. I went to this kind of, okay, well, by the way, thank you for your compliment. I was like, I just remember what you said, so I need to pause and give you your credit. Thank you for that. But I remember having the kind of staff and particular worlds of academia I was in, they stressed literacy, mathematics, science, geography. And because I grew up around older adults who stressed those things, I was constantly environments where kids were really attentive to these qualities and valued them to the point where it was, it was I was mostly around self-motivated children. And then at the high school I went to, you had learning specialists, including the college I went to. And these learning specialists are people who are tutors. It's the same thing, tutor, learning specialist, but learning specialist is a tutor who is specialized in your learning style, your individualized education plan, IEP, your goals academically, your goals personally, um, and your just goals in your career. So I had those kind of people around me in middle school, high school. I had I sacrificed a lot of free time. I started playing basketball and doing extra extra extracurricular activities in high school. I spent most of my time before, during, and after school making sure that my grades were super high. I graduated a 3.85 GPA and 1.4.11 grade. The reason why I dipped a little bit, not to ruin the fun of the parade, classes got a little bit harder. Right. That's what happens. Right, and nothing wrong with a little slide every now and then, you know, it happens, right? Right, right, it's all good. Yeah. But right. I just did academically well and that's all that matters. And so that's how I was able to do it twice. Right. Words like stemming, this yeah, is not yeah. something that everybody understands. Right. Explain yeah. that. Explain that to me. Well, we all have energy levels. Some are higher, some are lower, some are the same as others. We're all diverse. A beautiful way of saying good, different. And that's what unique means. And um, stemming is when you have so much energy. It's hard to just stay still. 
and at times lay down, you feel the only way I can chill <laughs> is to move around. <laughs> I mean, for example, sometimes I dance in my room until I can settle down. That doesn't mean that I can't, that doesn't mean I'm not calm. This means I have this extra set of energy that I that I use constructively. Plus, it helps me sleep better when I move a lot. And then when I'm tired, I don't have to work to go to sleep. I can just close my eyes, and that's it. I wake up, wow, I didn't know I was that tired. Plus, I take daily vitamins, so vitamins really get my energy revved up. And plus, and also, I'm a naturally hyperactive individual. Um, my mom is that way, and that's why I also make it my business to stay in shape. Because when you stay in shape, your energy is even higher. <laughs> and I take excellent care of myself. I'm a health conscious uh, human being, a person. So stemming, I'll give some examples so people really understand. Earlier I said rocking. We've all been in someone's house and you see them rocking in a chair. That's stemming. You're stimulating. You are keeping your energy excited when you do this because your energy has a chance to keep you self-composed because when you don't use your energy you get grouchy grumpy and it's hard to have a healthy social life when you're grouchy and grumpy and hand flapping sometimes when we're in deep thought or something profound has crossed our mind we may act out what we're thinking in our head like if i'm imagining myself speaking before an audience I could be in my room flapping my hand, make, you know, in my head, I'm doing a presentation to an audience. So that's stem stemming. Stemming could mean snapping the fingers. When you, we've all done this. Man, what's that word? Or man, what's that name? Or what's that number? Man, right. and then you snap because right. you're non-verbally showing, aha, Eureka, the light bulb went over my head. I got it. And then you say the thing that you just remembered and you keep going. Those are all stimmings. We all do it because we all have some energy levels that just need to, we need to get out correctly, efficiently. So that's what stimming means. Your college, and in terms of the majors in college, talk to me a little bit about that. I love people and I love how people think. That's why my major is human services. My minor is psychology. And I'm a people person. I have people skills. I have emotional intelligence. I have emotional self-regulation. I have social skills. I have communication skills. I have writing skills. And I'm a person that when I speak with people, I truly actively listen and I can say what they understand 
by my own summarization, sometimes better than what they can think of. That's what really makes people thank me for completing their thought patterns and thoughts. And that demonstrates my thoughtfulness. And I always wanted to do social services, social work of some kind, just giving back because I'm a I'm a cute and cuddly kind of person. I'm a teddy bear personality man. And it shows in how I interact with people. Um, it shows in my interpersonal skills. I have excellent interpersonal skills. And I have soulful intimacy with people where we have intellectually... Uh, deep banters with one another. So I'm an interpersonal hearted fellow. That's who I am. Fantastic. Your positive experiences. I have reviewed your information and I'm very impressed by the things that you have accomplished. But let's yes. just talk about your additional positive experiences beyond college? My at my accomplishments beyond college? Yes, sir. Well, I want to thank you first for the compliment on my accomplishments, and then I'll now I'll get to your question. I have been featured in the Washington Post for my story. I was in a direct support professional academy at RC in Washington, D.C. That's revitalized community membership. That's what it stands for. It's headquartered in Northeast Washington, D.C., the Northeast Quadrant of Washington, D.C. And direct support professional means learning how to care about and care for those who are labeled disabled. And because I shared my start at RCM, they had connections to the Washington Post. I have no idea how, but they must know some highly influential members of the press. <laughs> and I've been featuring Washington Post. I was featuring in the Prince George's County Sentinel because of RCM. I was featured on, in the St. John's Community Services uh, website. It's a, their disability rights organization in, in the Southwest quadrant of Washington, D.C., Southwest Washington, D.C. And my other accomplishments are helping my father be a founder of his own organization, the Burr Foundation. It's dedicated to education advocacy, and that's my dad's domain, but I do help him out with ideas. And beyond college, I have been summoned by D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser to, to serve on the State Rehabilitation Council. It is a RSA, Residential Service Administration, um, partnership we have with them to help them service district residents who are labeled disabled. So to be appointed by the mayor, to be a part of a prestigious board is quite a lovely honor. You are a true definition of boundless 
and it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. What are your plans for the future? Well, I just well I have a podcast, Tony Khan Daily. I talk about everything. Nothing is off limits. Um, my main subject matters are justice issues, but I do have a lighthearted side, and it's not always serious. I'm a versatile person. And I'm getting involved in my writing career. Um, I write every day. What I write about in particular is conversations with my grandmother who has transitioned. And I'll explain why I do that. People go, how, does, how do you go about that? Here's how. If you do research and you do your studies, you find that you, it, it helps with grief and healing, a helpful activity if you update the person on your life as if they're still physically in the flesh here with you. So I decided to do a book series. I plan on publishing the series early next year. That's my goal. And I'm glad that Amazon has the easiest program where I could send the manuscript to them and two days later, it's out there. Amazon has millions of people, so that's my goal. Uh, my other thing I want to do is to keep being more involved in initiatives that help out with the less fortunate. Any initiative that is positive and loving, I want to be a part of. And just to continue to be the boundless blessing that I am in any positive, in every positive way possible. For anyone listening to this podcast that might be stuck, they might be in that position of uncertainty, not knowing what direction to go in. And that one piece of advice would push them and the direction to move forward. What will you say to them at this point in time? I dare say that you don't need everybody to like you to be a somebody. You don't need to be comfortable all the time to be fully human. It's okay not to please some people as a person of integrity, it's okay to have healthy self-esteem that will keep you from self-destructive behavior and more importantly, keep you in self-peacefulness. You don't have to fit in in order to stand out, you can stand out in ethical ways, of course. And you can understand that you can be a refined diamond without having all the materialism that life has to offer. And simple living being thankful for what you have and don't have. Being thankful for what you have and don't have. Because the don't haves are just as good as the haves. And, it's, and, it's, and it seems excruciatingly impossible when you are less fortunate like me. But if I think about how 
I can process the promise because the promise is processed. But all that means is I use a metaphor. We there's multiple ways to become wine. Some people have to be crushed grapes to be wine because of their arrogance. While there's people who are who are doing the best they can, they're decent people. They just need somebody to help them be wine. They're still water. They're just a tasty water. That's how I define um, the various ways of becoming wine. Some people have to be mashed so they can eventually be bottled wine, high quality. And other people are already high quality. They just need to have the color of their water change so they can just be wine. So we're all in our own winemaking uh, journeys. Antonio, those are definitely great wise words, my friend. You've got me choked up here, man. Those are great wise words. And I definitely want to thank you so much for being a part of the Boundless Podcast. And uh, you are truly, once again, I will say it to you, you are definitely boundless. Thank you, sir. And you're boundless too because you overcame despite being labeled blind. Absolutely. Well, my friend, stay safe, be careful. And of course, I will be in touch, okay? Thank you. An awesome interview with Antonio Myers right here on OLWJ Captivation. We have come to the end of this episode of OLWJ Captivation. Thank you so much for tuning in as well. To learn more about what I do, visit my website at www.olwjboundless.com. There you can subscribe to my mailing list and read my blog. Follow me on Instagram at O underscore Wilson underscore Junior. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at OLWJ Boundless. Les Brown once said, it's okay to fail as long as you land on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. Until next time, my friends, take care.